Welcome to All Places Together. Here we believe that our lives are connected to one another and rooted in God's inclusive and expansive love for diverse creation. I'm Colleen Montgomery, pastor of APT and your podcast host. Wherever you are, whoever you are, however you are, take a deep breath. I've got a story for you, a story called Growing Together. Did you know that there are a set of plants called the Three Sisters? Years ago, I learned about these three plants that love to grow together. Indigenous people to the Americas would plant these three plants together intentionally because the people saw how these plants thrived together. You may know them. If you know them, same with me. Corn, beans, and squash are affectionately called the Three Sisters. Each of the plants have their own gift to give to the others, and this is a centuries-old practice, even though we understand a little bit more of the science now. So the corn grows tall and provides support for the beans to grow on. The beans are able to grow up and around the stalk of the corn. The roots of the beans absorb nitrogen from the soil and turn it into nitrates, which helps the soil be healthy and nutrient-rich for the corn and the squash to grow. Then finally, the squash spreads out along the ground and blocks the sun from any of the weeds that might try to compete in the soil. The three plants do better when they grow together than when they grow on their own. And I think the same is true for us. We do better when we grow together than when we grow on our own. In the first two episodes of this Together series, we explored why and the who of faith and life together. Now, in these next four episodes, we'll take a look at what we do together. As Jesus followers, what are the things that God calls us to do? How do we spend our lives together? And I propose that there are four big categories that cover what God invites us to do. Grow together, rest together, worship together, and care together. These are intentionally very broad categories, include lots of particular actions and practices within them. And today we're focusing on growing together. There are many ways that we grow throughout our lifetimes. And while the three sisters metaphor is about literal size growth, that's not quite the type of growth I want to focus on in our conversation today, at least not directly. I'm instead thinking uh, about the ways that God calls us to grow in understanding of God, the world, and each other. So kind of growing in, in wisdom and knowledge, learning, that type of thing. Scripture gives us at least two examples of how we can grow together in these understandings. Let's take a look at them and see how these examples play out in our lives as well. The first story I want to lift up is a Jesus story. As an adult, Jesus was a rabbi, a teacher of the Jewish faith. Christians and folks of other traditions or no tradition look to the teachings of Jesus as important when he was alive and today as well. And while he certainly was born with gifts for teaching, he also learned how to be a rabbi in community. He learned from other rabbis. 
The Gospel of Luke gives us the most stories of little boy Jesus, Um, and one of these stories shows us the importance of growing and learning in a community. This is Luke chapter 3, verses 41 to 53. Each year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When he was 12 years old, they went to Jerusalem according to their custom. After the festival was over, they were returning home, but the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't know it. Supposing that he was among their band of travelers, they journeyed on for a full day while looking for him among their family and friends. When they didn't find Jesus, they returned to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple. He was sitting among the teachers, listening to them and putting questions to them. Everyone who heard him was amazed by his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were shocked. His mother said, child, why have you treated us like this? Listen, your father and I have been worried we've been looking for you. Jesus replied, why were you looking for me? Didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he said to them. Jesus went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. His mother cherished every word in her heart, and Jesus matured in wisdom and years, and in favor and with the people. I just love knowing that Jesus was a rebellious preteen, although he's rebelling in maybe an expected sort of way, right? Like their family is on this trip to Jerusalem for the Passover. They did the whole Passover thing. They saw their extended family or friends. Maybe they even like ran some Jerusalem-specific errands. And when it's all said and done, Mary and Joseph, and they think Jesus, start on their way home. But after they spend this day walking amongst this big crowd of people looking for Jesus, they realize he is not there. So they go back to Jerusalem, and it takes them three days to find him. Like, they are beyond frantic. We all know what Mary's voice sounded like when she's, like, crying out to him. We have been worried. We have been looking for you because we've heard that voice or we have been that voice. And so in that moment, Jesus' parents aren't really able to fully process this scene before him. They, like, get there eventually. But since we're removed from the story, we're not caught up in the same way. I want us to zoom in on these little verses that the author gives us. These details about how Jesus was together with the rabbis in the temple. He's sitting there with them as one of them, listening and asking questions. Jesus is growing with them. He's listening to these teachers and their perspectives on faith. He's taking in what they say and how they say it. He's listening to the questions that other people ask. What are they confused about? What are they worried about? And he asks his own questions too. And he gives his own answers. Jesus is growing in his understanding of God, the tradition, the wider Jewish community, how to ask and respond to questions, and how to listen deeply. This is 
probably not the first time, but the first recorded time um, that we get to see Jesus and others growing together through community dialogue, discussion, and debate throughout the Gospels. And I love that it starts long before he was an adult, long before he was the official teacher, something that couldn't happen until you were 30 years old. Though it was obvious, he already knew his stuff at age 12. And this is a powerful example for us about how we can grow too, how we also grow through community dialogue, discussion, and debate. We gather in many places to grow with others. Yes, this happens in classrooms with students and teachers of any age, and this also happens outside of the classroom too. This happens around cafe tables at the coffee shop and picnic tables at the brewery. This happens in living rooms, on front porches, and in backyards. This happens in Zoom rooms or Discord chats. This happens in church fellowship halls and community rooms at the library. And the focus of what we talk about or the structure of that conversation varies too. Like, yes, plain old Bible study and small groups focused on faith formation are certainly part of this. But so are book clubs that read stories that help us understand people better. Or I think about community forums that I've attended on gender equality or race equality in the various places I've called home. Community service groups might gather together to learn more about the neighbors they are trying to support or technology or techniques that would improve the work that they do. You might even be required to do this for your job or the place you volunteer. Now, if I'm being honest, I've had a hard time thinking of examples how these community conversations happen spontaneously or outside of organized occasions. So I really wonder if you have stories about how this has happened in your life. Um, And if you have some, I'd really like to know because I feel like this is a gap in my knowledge. So send me a message one way or the other. But kind of regardless of the place or the situation, um, the whole group grows together, right? Each person contributes something different to the experience, We all have different pockets of deeper knowledge. Some of us jump right into the conversation with a question or an idea. Some of us wait and listen and then help pull all of the ideas together in a summary. Some of us repeat back to make sure that we're all on the same page and understanding. Or some of us just cut through it all with a single well-worded question or statement. Like the three sisters, each person brings a different gift and gets a different type of benefit as we learn together. We bring something to the group and we take something away as well. We might learn a new concept, a vocabulary word, or about a historical event or contemporary event. It's not always in the past. We might have learned that we aren't alone in our experience or questions that we ask. We might have a new solution that's percolating. The sharing and the receiving that happens when we are growing together is beautiful. Now, we all know that the internet wasn't around in biblical times, right? There was no telephone or even a telegraph. So if people wanted to get a message from one place to another, they had to write it down and make sure that someone else 
physically took it there. And this, writing a letter, writing something to someone is the second example of how we grow together that I want us to explore. And this example is not so much a specific story, but rather the exploration of a biblical genre. That is, Paul's letters to the early Christian communities. These letters are often called epistles. Paul was an early missionary of the Christian church. His conversion experience led him to believe in Jesus. And from that moment, he began to teach and preach about Jesus throughout the wider region. He went on several different missionary tours and met people both within the Jewish tradition and outside of that tradition as well to talk to them about Jesus. Paul traveled to places like Rome, Corinth, and Philippi. While Paul was in all of these different places, people would have a God experience. They would be transformed in beautiful and profound ways, and they would be moved to form a church community together. Paul was like their founding leader and their pastor, but y'all, he never stayed. He didn't settle in any of these places. Paul would move on to another place to tell new people about Jesus. And then sometimes his talking about Jesus got him in trouble with the government and he ended up in jail. So this meant that he wasn't even able to go back and visit the places where these communities were, even if he'd wanted to. So since Paul couldn't go to them, he wrote to them. Paul wrote many letters to the communities across the region. He would receive letters from them about their questions, their arguments with each other, the ways they were living into the teachings of Jesus, and the ways that they were not living into the teachings of Jesus. And he would respond to them. He would write intentional words to particular people in a particular place around particular issues. And then when they received the letter, the people would gather together to listen to it, and they'd probably have to read it more than once because it was always really complicated and a lot to unpack. Um, and sometimes they would have to make copies of the letter, maybe for more people to read, or in order to spread them and distribute them into other places as well. Over the years, other people writing in Paul's name also began to write letters. Now, this isn't like plagiarism and identity theft as we kind of understand it in the present day. It was very common at that time for disciples to write as the people they studied under um, or were their religious leaders. So a student of Paul was qualified to write a letter as Paul and even sign his name. This parallels the practice of how there's multiple voices in the book of Isaiah, not a single prophet, um, or even how the Gospels were likely not written directly by the disciples, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but rather by people within the communities that they led. This wasn't an ethical or moral concern for the people at the time. It's just how things were done. Our modern biblical scholarship has been able to parse out which of Paul's letters that made it into the New Testament are most likely written by Paul and which were written by others. Either way, no matter who wrote them, Paul's words directly are also those words from those who learned from him helped people grow in their faith. 
from Paul's understanding of Jesus' faith, God, sin, salvation, community, and grace spread. People grew in understanding about God and how to live together in faith from these letters. We still grow in understanding about God and how to live together in faith from these letters today. But we don't only read Paul. We don't only even read the Bible, right? We also grow through reading, listening, and watching other followers of Jesus too. We learn about how other people connected to and depended on God throughout all different times and in all different places. For example, I can read the works of Julian of Norwich, a woman who was born in about 1343 and had incredible visions of God. She was an anchoress of her church, which meant that she went through a rigorous selection process to be chosen uh, to live her life in a very small room attached to the church and to be in constant prayer for her community. Her community took care of her physical needs while she tended to their spiritual needs. Many of Julian's words continue to exist today, and we can learn from her mystical experiences with God. Likewise, I can also read about Archbishop Desmond Tutu, who was a vital leader in the anti-apartheid movement in South Africa last century. He was an activist against the racist institution of apartheid, and then he was also a key leader in helping his country heal once it was overturned. He led a process called Truth and Reconciliation that invites those who have been hurt to tell their stories and share what they need in order to be reconciled to the people who hurt them. It's a hard and intense process, and it's one that has led to meaningful and lasting healing in South Africa and other places around the world. We grow in our understanding of God through people of faith as they teach us about God and share what God has done with them and through them. We get to see a bigger picture of who God is than what we see and experience only in our lives. The voices of the Bible that have been passed down to us generation to generation are central to our growth. And then we are also blessed by the diversity of the faithful people who have gone before us and who are with us in this life right now. We grow together with God and with each other through these voices. If you're binging through episodes, I invite you to pause and reflect. Or if you're just listening to this single episode, I hope you'll let these questions linger with you too. Who are the people in your life that you have grown with in the faith? The people that you have sat with together in discussion, dialogue, and debate? And then who are the people that that you have grown from in faith from reading, listening, or watching them? I hope that you'll say a prayer of thanks for them, for the impact that they've had in your life. Then I also hope you'll spend some time thinking about whose voices aren't in your discussion circles or in your reading. What types of voices might you seek out to grow together with them in new ways? And also, a word of thank you. Thank you for listening and thank you for being a part of the community that I am growing with, that I hope you are growing with too. For trusting me as a conversation partner and someone to explore faith with. I'm so glad to be on this journey together with you 
and that God is bringing us together from wherever we are. Amen. Prayer for Growing Together. Dear God, sometimes I think I know it all, and sometimes I don't want to admit that I don't know it all. Sometimes I am afraid of what I don't know. And the honest truth is, is that I can't know it all. Yet I can grow. Open up my heart to listen to the voices of others and give me discernment to know when it is time for me to share my voice too. Help us to grow together and grow in you so that the world can reflect more of your beauty and love in all places. Amen. Thank you for joining us at All Places Together. We hope you experienced God's love for you and the world in today's conversation. The link to sign up for our August Zoom communion is live now on socials. Please take a moment to hop onto Facebook or Instagram at All Places Together to sign up to get that link. We're gathering at 8 p.m. Eastern time on Monday, August 21st. We'll be gathering each third Monday of the month So go ahead and set a reoccurring event in your calendar. And whether you've listened to every episode or just one, there's a place for you at the table. I hope to see you there. As always, a big thank you to our mission partners, the Virginia Synod and the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Thank you also to those who give financial gifts for the ongoing support of the Ministry of All Places Together. If you'd like to make a gift, you can go to our website, allplacestogether.org. Scroll to the bottom where it says Give Now, click that button, and you'll be redirected to our giving platform. You can make one-time gifts or set up a recurring donation through that page. Until next time, remember that God is with you and loves you, wherever, whoever, and however you are.